when my husband's getting himself together there. <laughs> I'll just come and say hi. Uh, for some of you, uh, maybe you don't know us, I'm Cara Roberts. And we were born and brought up in South Wales, which is in the UK. Um, we, I was saved when I was 26. Dave, uh, a year later, 28. And God did amazing. <laughs> God did amazing things in our lives very, very quickly. And, um, we just were, fell passionately in love with Jesus. And one of the things that really, uh, impacted my life, I didn't know, I was so green, guys. I didn't know anything hardly about the Word of God. But I remember reading Acts 16. And I just want to encourage you with this word. As we were singing that song this morning, it was the one about, um, about our sin being forgiven and uh, Jesus washing away the crimson um, uh, crimson stain of sin. And I started to just fill up on the inside with overwhelming gratitude. And can I just say sometimes, and we are guilty of this too, we are so excited about what God is doing in restoring so much at the moment. We can get very focused on what God wants us to do. And that's great. And we're growing in God and we're loving what he's doing. But it took me right back to the very foundation that song did this morning. And it reminded me afresh of the beautiful gift of salvation and forgiveness of sin that we have in our lives. And um I remember reading when I was a very new Christian, Acts 16, and it said, you and your household will be saved. I honestly, I didn't hardly know any other Christians. I was going to a small little Baptist chapel, which a lot of the, the people who came in, some of them weren't even saved. Um, they were, you know, sort of the speakers, the speakers were, and some of the people weren't. They they would speak on humanism. Then the next week we get a, a spirit filled guy in. It was just literally just filling the the uh, pulpit for someone to preach. And but always God, I was I devoured the word. I fell in love with Jesus, and I just kept thinking, other people need to know about Him. And then when I heard read that scripture, instantly instantly faith came in my heart. I didn't understand it. I didn't know how it was going to happen. But in accessing when you said, you and your household will be saved, I thought, oh, so that means all my family can get saved then. And it was very simple to me, a simple um, faith response. And so when we were singing that song this morning, God reminded me of that. And he said, encourage the people here with that word. Because some of you may have family members who you are praying for. You've been praying for for years. And you look at them and you think, is it ever going to happen? And God said, tell them, yes, it is. There is a day now where God is reviving and he is refreshing and he is bringing back to life the words that you have prayed that you even forgot you prayed. The words that you have sown into people's lives. You even forgot you sold into their life. But God is going to take them prophetically and he's going to bring them alive. He's going to breathe like the, the valley of dry bones. He's going to breathe into those words and he's going to bring them to life. So don't lose hope. Don't lose faith for the family members that you look at. Because I'm just encouraging you today. Now this, this is the word of the Lord. You just like God did with my family. A year later, Dave got saved, then my brother and his wife got saved, then my mother got saved, then my other brother and his wife got saved, all the family got saved, my grandmother got saved, my grandfather got saved, Dave's mother and father were saved. I mean, this took a span of maybe uh, that my father was saved, like between me and daddy, it was six years. So, but it was God did that in my family. They serve in the Lord now. My brothers both lead churches and um, are in ministry uh, with their wives and have grown churches. So, 
and done amazing things for God. Do not give up on what God is doing in a mighty, mighty revival that's coming across this nation and across the world. And we're all part of it. And the words that you've sown in prayer and and in just sharing gently with family that you've done, he's going to take that and breathe life into it. I just want to encourage you with that this morning. And now I'll hand over to my husband. <laughs> so do you believe what you just said? <clears throat> what did she say? Don't give up. Yeah, they are small things. Never despise them. There was a group of ladies praying in a little town called in Wales, the next valley to our valley, and uh, they were praying for revival. Little group, unassuming, bunch of ladies, but sometimes is, you know, the men can do it well, but the ladies. But this bunch of ladies started praying, and um, there was a there was two there were two men called Stephen. And George Jeffries, uh, amazing miracle workers of God. And they started what in our country is called, one is the Apostolic Church and the other one's Elim. They're both Pentecostal churches. And those guys, um, phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal stuff. You can go to churches in Wales and see all the, the crutches, the braces, the wheelchairs, all around the walls. <laughs> And all started with this little bunch of ladies praying. So you never despise the day of small things. Okay? And if you look at the awakenings and the revivals, you will find <coughs> generally there is a group of people praying. And it seems to me that God knows what he wants, but he still wants us to call out to him uh, to humble ourselves and pray. And he'll heal the land. And... Uh, to me, then, he does amazing things because, you know, not that I disbelieve, but I think, you know, when you read about these things, in, in one of these valleys, there was a lamb, and I think it might have been in this meeting, a lamb actually appeared on the wall, okay, and stayed there for about three or four days, and people from everywhere came across. I was thinking about this place this morning, and I thought, do you know what? When we got up, when we drove in, I mean, it's not a huge town, is it? But there was a man called Larry Lee who wrote a book about uh, about praying, about the Lord's Prayer. And he lived in a town of about 3,000 in Texas, I believe, 3,000 people. And his church had 10,000 people in it. You know? I, I say this to encourage... It doesn't have to start in the metropolis, in the big place. You know, what good thing came or ever came out of, out of Jerusalem or out of uh, Nazareth? And I used to say that about Merthyr Tidville. You know, and I look back and I think, well, what? Well, we did. Okay, and there were so, so many other ministries and, and there was so, uh, it was such a huge town for manufacturing and the, and the steel rails that they produced were all over India, probably some in this country. Because it was import, uh, importing and, what's the other word, exporting rather, the steel rails, huge steel works there, huge iron ore, a lot of coal. Um, <clears throat> and people came from all over Europe for 
work. And I thought one day, you know what? The, the town was renowned. It was about, it was the unofficial capital of Wales at that point. It's about 100,000 there, and there was uh, Spanish, French, Italian. Uh, all, all those came over to work. And it was renowned for steel, uh, coal, iron. And of course, that died away. And I thought, wouldn't it be fantastic if it was renowned for the name of Jesus? And I say, why not? There was a little where Evan Roberts started the revival, or God started the revival in a place called Lecha. Uh, <coughs> you probably go like this as you drive through. I missed it. And, you know, within uh, six months, I believe it was, 100,000 people were saved. I mean, it's just phenomenal what God can do. And the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Uh, he'll do it in spite of us. But he prefers to do it with us. You know? Because that's how he's chosen to do it. And I was glad to hear you learning about the Holy Spirit through the week. I, I'm in a dilemma. I'm coming up here, I sat in the car afterwards and thought, do I go and preach the, the good fight of faith? Do I give you a potted history of our... Um, journey in the Holy Spirit and then I'm looking at all the songs and I think this is all about Jesus this morning which it should be by the way because the Holy Spirit is the one who brags on Jesus isn't he and he tells us what he said and what he's going to do And um, you know I only want to fill the purpose of God in my generation I was singing that in the car You can do lots of things, but really, when you stand before God on that day, He's going to say, uh, give account of the purpose He gave us. Not what we could have done, not what we wanted to do, but what He asked us to do. And that is the purpose of God. David said he'd served the purpose of God in his generation. Esther served the purpose of God in her generation. There's some smaller names, shall we say, and big names who served the purpose of God in their generation. And really, at the end of my days, I just want to know, be known as him who served the purpose of God. And really, that's what it's about. And uh, so, <clears throat> I'm not waffling. I'm trying to find the mind of the Spirit. And, you know, we are not patched up people. We're not even restored in one sense. We're actually born again. We're a new creation. That 2 Corinthians 5.17 <coughs> says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, the old is gone, the new has come. So I'm not a patched up me. I'm not even God got me and, and restored me. But he actually totally recreated me. On a certain day, a certain date, the Holy Spirit came into my heart, revealed Jesus, and I got born again. And that is probably the greatest miracle that you can ever see, experience, and it's the start of a journey in Christ, which is a, a journey of faith, a walk with the Spirit, full of adventure. You know, 
it would have never held me. I would have been backed on the pub. Certain churches I went to, I'll tell you the truth, I would have been backed on the bar, the pub we used to call it, because it was more fun there. And I was never called to sit just on a seat or a pew and just go through the motions. Because I don't believe God called us to do that. He called us to be somebody. And I mean that, to be a witness. He called me to be great. Says in one of the Psalms, he stooped down to make me great. When he was brought up in a little village and he went to school and the teacher said, you're useless, stupid. You never amount to anybody or anything. Okay? There's certain things get poured out in you. You get sort of distorted, truth, vision, all this, that, and the other. And then you start to believe what they said. And then Jesus comes along. And he washes me whiter than snow. He comes in and totally recreates me. And then my journey started. You would have never have seen me up here. This is the grace of God. I hated reading, reading even aloud in the classroom. I would bless if I couldn't read. I was partially dyslexic. Of course, I didn't know that until years and years later. <coughs> but somebody gave me a word in a, in a uh, what do you call it, life group. And he said, you are going to need to practice reading because you're going to read publicly for God. Why did he pick that one? <laughs> and uh, obviously, I had another foot revelation. I, got, I had got saved, not only a couple of years. And I knew there was something far bigger that I was to do. But a portion of it was to read. So I started to read, and I'm not the best, but a friend of mine told me once in the Old Testament, if you read with confidence the names of the people, it'll be okay. Because generally most people don't know what they mean in any kind. <laughs> so, <clears throat> and that was the, sort of the start of the journey. But I had to know that I was born again. I, I was a rascal. A rascal is a nice word for a terror. A naughty boy. Okay? And uh, I got saved on a Saturday night. Now our neighbors were what you call exclusive brethren. And I'm, it's okay, Carl, I'm in my word now. And so, she went to another David Roberts who lived around, it was like a subdivision, another David Roberts who was a policeman and a Christian, and said to him, his wife, this is within 12 hours, mate, 12 hours, they say in David Roberts is a Christian, but he's not. <laughs> he lives next door to me. Now, the gifts of the Spirit are given, but the fruit of the Spirit has got to grow. Okay? I thought she didn't give me a chance even. And then another guy who was, I, I was serving an apprenticeship in a <coughs> local coach bus garage type of place. And this other guy was a partial Christian. I can't say much more than that. They say David Roberts got saved. He isn't because I worked with him. I know what he's like. And you know, when I read that about the Apostle Paul, he said, I've got no blood on my hands. You've got no blood on your hands. You held the courts from the stone, Stephen. You dragged them into houses. You persecuted the church. 
And he was able to say, I've got no blood on my hands. Because he understood the new birth. God, at this particular time, wasn't a gentleman. Because he pushed him off a donkey. Okay? You know, they say the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. I think sometimes he needs to just work us a bit. So he flipped him off. And you know the story. And, uh, and he understood what the new birth was. And that's why after the New Testament is about it. And he, and he tells us about uh, old things have passed away. You know, the, the baptism in the water is the burial. See? So we die. We die to self. We die to shame. We die to sin. We die to all those things. And so what do you do with a dead man? Bury him. Okay, or her. So, the, the, the Red Sea experience was a burial. And all the slave masters and the slave drivers and the habits and all that kind of stuff was buried. Didn't come through to the other side. So here they were in, in symbolically a new nation. Newness was there. That had been dealt with. The old had gone. Behold, here I am, new. Baptism in water, all that stuff. But the devil is an outlaw. He does guerrilla tactics. He doesn't abide by the rules. Okay? So he sneaks up and says, Hey, remember that time? <laughs> he talks like that. Hey, <laughs> remember that time? And you say, uh, Push off, Mr. Devil. You were talking about somebody else. This is how I talk to him. Okay? That person died on the road to Merthyr Tidville. Or in your case, Esperia. Esperia, is it? Paul on Damascus Road. So, you've got to understand and know who you are. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus comes into town, gets the book of Isaiah, reads, and this is what he says, paraphrase. He said, okay, boys, here I am, look no more. He knew, as he studied and looked at the Scriptures, they're doing a series down in Caledonia, in Grand Rapids now, <coughs> called The Mirror. And James says, you go and look into the Word and see yourself and then go away and forget who you are. Well, this actually is you look in and you find out who you are. So Jesus is reading the Scriptures and you think, thinking, oh, that's about me. So he says, okay, close the book. Today, look no further. I'm here. The Messiah is here. Uh, I'm the one. You don't need to look any further. Now, Jesus knew who he was. Because he knew who his dad was. It's good to know who you are, but it's good to know whose you are. Anybody ever bother you in the school? They'd try to come up and beat you up. And you'd say, hey, do you know who my dad is? He'll come down here and punch your lights out. Is that your dad? <laughs> and we've got this covering of our dads. That's covering. You know, and when you have your daughters want to go to the dance when they're 12, 13, and 14. It's good to say to them, tell your friends, daddy said you can't come. If you don't, you know, if they don't want to go. Not, not just if they do, sometimes they don't want to go, but they, they don't want to lose face or they appear. So you say, tell your friends that daddy said you can't come. That's covering your child. Okay, and God covers us. So, in Luke 4, he says, uh, 
He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news. And he goes on and gives his manifesto. A bit like what's happening here at the moment with all you people, Republicans and Democrats. The trouble is, most of those manifestos go out of the window. You know, when they get in power, they forget what they said. Jesus didn't. Okay? So he was anointed with the Holy Spirit with power. Acts 10.8 says how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He was cool, Jesus. But he had the Holy Ghost to work with him. So if he needed the Holy Ghost to work with him, hello, we definitely do, yeah? And uh, that's why it's good. Really, it's the Ephesians, and we talk about the the armor of God. But the true things, he says, the, sh- the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. This is is defensive and offensive. The shield of faith, which will stop the fiery darts of the devil. Okay, you parry them off. Apparently, the Roman sh- uh, shields are so highly um, was polished that when they threw them up with the, with the army coming towards them, they always have the sun in front of them, and it would hit and go, and and there'd be such a strong light it would bring confusion to the uh, oncoming army. So we've got the shield of faith. Okay, so so important, and we've got the sword of the spirit. So important, the word of God. So we use the both faith and the spirit. Those are so vitally important. We can't do it with either of them. So when Paul says uh, about fighting the good fight of faith, it's a good fight. You know why it's a good fight? Pin? Because we win. <laughs> I've read the back of the book. It's a good fight of faith. But we need to know who we don't fight before we get to know who we do fight. So we don't fight against flesh or blood. We don't fight. Don't hit me back, okay? You know? It's we fight against principalities, powers, uh, dark places, high authority, that kind of stuff. And so we need to know who we're going to fight. We're not going to fight sin because there's no need to. Because we can preach the cure to sin because Jesus has done it all. We don't even need to fight the devil. And i got to say, guys, we wouldn't be able to beat him. He's been around 2,000 years. He's got too many tricks. And we say we're not ignorant of his devices. But, you know, in reality, lots of times we are. But we don't need to because Jesus defeated him. I made a public show on the cross. We just need to go and get the spoils. So, yeah, that's all we need to do. And in the name of Jesus, we have authority over. Any other, any name higher in heaven, earth, or under the earth, higher than the name of Jesus? Okay. Where do you deal? Where do we deal generally? In the earth. Well, okay. So, heaven, under, earth. We're in the earth at the moment. So there's no name above the name of Jesus. So we are new creations in Christ. And he's given us the weapons of our warfare, and not carnal, but spiritual, to pull down strongholds and fortresses in our life and in the lives of people around us, and cities, towns, regions, and nations. And so, we need to know, to be like Jesus, confident, because he knew who his dad was. 
1, 1 Chronicles 29. Somebody turns to that place and reads it out loud. It's David's, they dedicate in the temple. 1 Chronicles 29. That was after Kings, isn't it? But where's Kings gone? Somebody got it? Have a read, it says about David's. Where did David says about who he is? Leaven. Leaven. 29 leaven. Or you can do 10 first of all. Nice and loud now. What version are you using, please? It's okay, yeah. Carla likes it. David, what's it? Emmett likes it. But, but you can read it. With confidence. And gusto. And again, please. A bit further. 12, sorry. 12 down to 30. Yeah. Sorry, I beg your pardon. Okay. Now, I used to read this if I did it, you see, to make sure you were still awake. I would say, um, You as O Lord is the greatness, the power, and some of the glory, the victory and the majesty for all that were most of it that is in heaven and earth is you as. See? So you got it then, and you're supposed to say, No! It actually says this. So this is how David describes, and he doesn't do it in a corner. He does it in front of the whole assembly. He said, listen, do you want to know about my God? Do you want to know about my father? Do you want to know about my king? I'm going to tell you in front of everybody. So nobody is mistaken. This is who is my king, who we serve. Okay, Psalm 68, verse 34. So anybody's there wants to read it. If you tell us you're there. What Bible are you using, please? Oh. So ascribe strength to God. His excellence is over Israel, and His strength is in the clouds. Oh God, you are more awesome than your holy places. It says about Jesus, the word will be eternal, and everything else will crumble and fall down, but the word of the Lord is here forever. And it says here, you are, you are more awesome than your holy places, than the temple, the shrine, than any building. Okay, you are more awesome than any of those. The God of Israel, now I don't know about your theology, but we are Israel, okay? Is that okay? Okay. The God of Israel is He who gives strength and power to His people. So that statement means He's got a people. Not just any people, but to His people. Hands up if you're His people. Keep your hands up, please. That means you're all saved. So I don't need to give an appeal afterwards, unless you tell him fibs. <laughs> Did I see your hand? So the God of Israel is he who gives strength and power to his people. God is not stingy. Is that a word you use? Mean. He doesn't have short arms and long pockets. Okay? He's got huge pockets. And they never empty. As quick as you take the stuff off the table, the angels are putting it all on. Don't ever think, oh, I'm being a bit greedy here. Because, as you will, te I'll testify, it says, seek earnestly, earnestly desire, lust over, lust after the things of the Spirit. So God wants us to be greedy in that sense. 
Okay? So the table is full. I'll have a bit of that, and I'll have a bit of that, and and I don't mean being naughty. Now I'm just saying what I need to be. See, just a side thought for you. We are God and sons unlimited in the earth. Think about that. We're not a limited company. We're unlimited. We're unlimited because he's limitless. So, I'm representing God in the earth. So he's limitless. So his company, his business down in the earth is limitless. And I'm a part of that. I'm a representative. I'm an ambassador. I'm one who works for him and goes out, sells his cars. I don't do that, right? But I'm saying he takes his ways out into the world. He sends me. I'm a representative of him. I'm not a substitute for him. He was a substitute for me. But I'm a representative for him. I go into all the earth and make disciples of all nations. I go in and teach them and train them. Okay? I go in with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're my calling cards. You sick? I've got a gift to you. It's called healing. Okay? And so God, these are the weapons that God gives us. Okay? He doesn't send us to war. Because we fight in the good fight of faith, so therefore there is an enemy or there are hindrances to faith. So he gives us stuff to overcome. I'm in South Africa a number of years ago. Somebody loans us a car. It was a Camry. Now he was a, like, he knew everything about cars. So I'm sitting and I go, Oh, he said, I forgot to tell you there's an override switch. So God spoke to me about immobilizers and overriders. Okay? And I'm just going to ask you very quickly, what immobilizes you? That means stops you moving. Then, Fear. The big one in it. Fear a man brings a snare. So we're trapped. Any others? Doubt, uncertainty in yourself or God? Okay. Though you can do all things in Christ who strengthens you, that's an overrider. Exhaustion. I've got to think of a scripture now to override that. Then, gives us strength, yeah. This one, fear. Perfect loves cast out all fear. The fear of man brings a snare, but the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So we define which is fear. Fear of God is good for us. The fear of man is bad for us. But greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Okay? So I can do all things in Christ who gives me the strength. Overriders. Understand? I'm more than a conqueror. That means I need something to conquer that. So give me any other ones. Uh, so, trust. <sighs> this happened to me uh, when we came back from Canada. Uh, Hebrews thirteen five, and he talks about being content and that. He says, "God says, who says? God says, not a prophet, not an apostle, not a pastor, teacher, or, or anybody." For God has said, 
Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Therefore, we, who's we? We can confidently, that's the opposite of trust, uh, or the lack of trust. What did you say? Trust in the negative, is it? Yeah. We can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. What can be a man do to me? You see? So, these things are immobilized as God has done a great job with overriders. That car, he said, flick the switch. <laughs> it was under the dashboard, so I flicked the switch, turned the key, and it worked. And, I, and it was that, at that moment that God started dealing with me about these things that immobilize us. But God has put overriders right throughout the Word. And that's why, I don't know if I did it up here before, but I can do it again because I like doing it. This Bible is about Jesus and me. It tells me who I am. It tells me what I have. And it tells me why I have it. Isn't that cool? So I'm not taking anything from Jesus. Because I'm a part of his body. He's the head. Anything he's got, the anointing of Luke chapter 4, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. It's upon me. It's upon you. Because it ran down Aaron's beard, his head. So it runs down the anointing off Jesus, runs down somewhere I'm there, under the head. I don't try to be the head. I probably try to be the head on times. Don't try to be the head. That's his job. But the anointing comes upon me. So I'm anointed. Are you anointed? You can never say to me, I don't have faith. Because faith comes by what? You're in the what? Okay, so if you haven't got faith, you should be reading the Word. And it cometh in the New King James, or the King James. It's a present tense. It cometh. It cometh. It cometh. It's keeping coming. It cometh. It cometh. It cometh. It doesn't stop. It cometh. It cometh. So faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the Word of Christ. So that way it beholds us to get into this. That card he gave me, he didn't give me a manual, or I would have gone, oh, immobilizer. See, that's a manual. And it would have been no good having a Ford manual, because it was a Toyota. Yeah? So the Torah would be no good to me. But this is my manual. Who wrote the book? Holy Spirit. He is the executive agent in the earth today. He's the governor. He's the boss. He's the leader. He's the guide. He's the comforter. He is, what else is he? He's our victory. He's, he's everything. He's everything we need. There's every promise in the Bible that says that yes and amen in Christ Jesus. He's given us everything that we need for life and godliness. Guys, if he ever tries to immobilize you, and he will, if you've got doubt, doubt the doubt. Don't doubt him, doubt the doubt. And just get this word into you, and the Holy Spirit then will pull it up. Pull it up. Pull it up. So Jesus knew. He said, it is written, and forget, remember, he didn't have the New Testament. He was the New Testament, but he didn't have it, okay? So he said, it is written, it is written, Satan, it is written, so he, how did he work against the devil? Did he go up and slap him? What did he say to him? 
It is written. He used the Scriptures. He used the Word. And then he got baptized in water for righteousness sake. And at the baptism, what happened to him? The devil came down. The Holy Spirit came upon him. And God said to him, what? What did he say? You are my beloved son. He identifies Jesus as his son. Next page, what is the devil trying to do? Steal his inheritance. And that's what's he, so we got born again. This is, I've come around a long way, but we got born again. You haven't got born again. Don't you remember that time? And you go, hmm. yeah. I'm sorry, God. And God goes, I don't know what you're talking about. Because I've chosen to forget or remember no more. So you don't need to remember what He has forgotten and what He's forgiven you. But it's not just all about forgiveness. If we just got forgiven, we still go to hell. We've got forgiven and we've got renewed and restored and born again. So it's the born again bit. I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. That Dave that you remembered died on the road. And here he is. Ta-da! New Dave. He's born again and a baby has got no history. Yeah, but Dave, what happens, you know, when you sin as a Christian? Do you know what happens when you sin as a Christian? Do anybody know? We don't get condemned because there's now no condemnation condemnation to those in Christ Jesus, but we do get convicted. So 1 John 2, 9, 1 John 2, 9, it says, if we have sinned, we confess our sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and takes us from unrighteousness back into righteousness. And that's why we can approach his throne boldly in our time of need. It's a, it's a throne of grace. Now, I, I don't come as dirty Dave. I come as righteous Jesus, if I can say. He looks at me and he sees the righteousness of God in Christ. Because he made him who was no sin, this is just after 517 in Corinthians, he made him who was no sin to become sin in my place. And he gave me this gift of righteousness and this robe. So when I come before God, God doesn't see the old Dave. He just sees Jesus. Isn't that cool? What a deal. What a deal. What a, a transference of wealth. And so all that Jesus is God is mine. And all that mine is Jesus's. Well, you know what he did with that, didn't you? He cast it at the feet of God and God chose to remember no more. Do you know what I'm saying? So this, when we sing those songs, and that's what Carol said, it's, um, what time I got to finish? You never say that to me. <laughs> oh. But I'm enjoying myself. Is, are you enjoying yourself? Good, because I am. <laughs> so, it, the fact is then that we are the people of God. I want you to know your identity as the people of God. So let's go now to 1 Peter. Uh, the Psalms. So he's looking for the people, yeah? Are you that kind of people he's looking for? Well, there's two on the front row, three on the front row. Any more? Any more? 
Okay. Uh, Peter. Come on, Peter. So, I'll read this to you. Say, we're going through. <coughs> Excuse me. This is 1 Peter 2. And they're talking about this chosen stone, and then he comes to the chosen people. But this is 1 Peter 2 9. But you, turn to somebody and say you. You. Turn to me and say you. You. I want to be included in this, okay? But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his special people. Not just any people. Because he's not going to give his gifts and his glory and, and his strength and his power to just any people. He's going to give them to his people. So if you know it's his people, you know that he wants to bless you. And he wants to give you everything you need for life and godliness. He wants you to appropriate every promise that's yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Every promise he gave to Israel, I think, was fulfilled in, uh, it says in Joshua 21 somewhere there. So, He's not a liar. Okay? He's promised us these things that we need. Who's that, the baby? I bet God loves that. He says it's newness. Perhaps he'll finish now. Uh, okay, I'm going to go a bit further. Uh, so God wants us to know him and us to know who we are. Uh, Hebrews 1.3 says, Everything about Jesus represented God exactly. So when later on Philip said, Lord, show us Jesus. He said, Philip, how long have I been with you? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Paul says, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. So as the people of God, we represent the King, the God, the Savior, uh, the Master. Okay? That's us. That's how we to be in the earth. Is Jesus afraid of anything? 